Waterless disinfectants were initially created to be used in the absence of soap and water. They are not a replacement for hand washing, which is still and always will be the most effective tool any of us have when it comes to disease prevention. Interestingly, until the mid-1800s, doctors didn't bother washing their hands. They would go from dissecting a cadaver to delivering a child. Germs were yet to be discovered and it was still believed in the 1840s that disease was spread by miasma. In other words, bad smells in the air emanating from rotting corpses, sewage and vegetation. Then one day a Hungarian doctor made a groundbreaking and much resisted discovery that germs were in fact carried on the hands of the surgeons from corpses to patients. Today it is a well-established fact that most people don't wash their hands after going to the toilet. You only have to spend around 10 minutes in a public restroom if you can even bear it to see for yourself. I have a lot of questions regarding the rules and protocols surrounding COVID-19 implemented by governments and health departments. Many of these protocols from mask wearing to the use of sanitizers has been forcibly implemented by schools and shopping centers just so they can stay open with very little thought given to the sustainability of these practices going forward. In the last month, I've seen numerous people with eczema and skin allergies related directly to sanitizers, and there's a rising number of anecdotal reports regarding sanitizer-related side effects, from contact dermatitis to respiratory and even liver and kidney conditions. I've personally encountered neat bleach in a spray bottle at a major retailer. In this episode, I chat with Jan Flok, who is a mine of information, having worked in the world of health and nutrition for several decades. Sanitizers, in my limited knowledge, were originally created um, when there's no soap and water around. And we know that washing hands is our first line defense and you know, protecting our health. And sanitizers were created where you don't have the luxury of, of soap and water, or you're in a situation where you just can't get to the most basic of ways of cleaning your hands. And then along came COVID and every single person on every street corner was putting something in a bottle and selling it as a sanitizer and many people myself included started feeling quite uneasy about this because there were no checks and balances i have been into a major retailer where they had dick in a bottle which obviously damages not only your hands but the clothing as well so let's chat about i mean your company um, and what your thinking and um, ethic is behind this whole madhouse that we're finding ourselves in. Uh, Nikki, well, I think maybe to, to take a step back, um, you know, in terms of where I come from, you know, I started in the, the, the sports nutrition industry many, many years ago. Um, and in fact, the three years, the Blue Bulls uh, won the Curry Cup uh, in a row. Uh, myself uh, was actually involved with um, with the team. I was involved with uh, Dr. Tommy Smirk, who was the then team doctor uh, for the Vodacom uh, uh, Cup and for the Curry Cup team. Um, and you know, so I've I've had extensive experience with you know sort of nutrition, but performance nutrition. Um, you know, and, and uh, even a step further, I was involved with a mining company at that point in time uh, to actually help. Uh, you know, see if we couldn't um, improve the, the, the mine workers' uh, CD4 counts uh, and, they, and reduce their viral load, uh, you know, with just proper nutrition. And I then moved on to, to Cape Town. And, you know, we're very much in 
a very, you know, sort of IP, uh, food technology, IP uh, related uh, manufacturing industry and technology that we've designed and developed. Um, as an example, um, if you drink orange juice, about a third of the world's orange juice is currently made with uh, the technology that uh, myself and Roy have developed and patented and, and own worldwide. So we have extensive, you know, sort of experience and, and knowledge in terms of factories, uh, the, the setup of factories, the, you know, the correct running of factories, technologies in factories. Um, and, you know, so obviously, uh, you know, we do a lot of R&D and development in our facility in, in Cape Town. And when COVID hit, we were actually asked by one or two of our, our current clients, you know, could we make some, uh, you know, some hand sanitizers for them? And, you know, and, and it, but it was, you know, it was, it was twofold. Um, we decided to, to do it, but it's also because one of our friends actually had a very nasty reaction to a sanitizer uh, that was sprayed on his hands. And he actually ended up in hospital for three days in ICU fighting for his life because his liver shut down. And, you know, that sort of brought home the, you know, the fact to, to Roy and myself and Kaz that, you know, there's, there's a lot of products out there that are, are not being scrutinized. They are not going through the checks and balances. They're not being manufactured in the correct facilities. Uh, they are definitely not using the correct raw materials and that these are obviously having, you know, a lot of detrimental effects on the people that it's being applied to. Um, and, and that's kind of how we, we started looking at it. And then obviously, you know, when you start going down that rabbit hole, you know, you've got to now identify what are the correct raw materials, the correct suppliers of those raw materials, you know, and go through all of the, the checks and balances of vetting those raw materials. And then obviously a big thing that happened with COVID-19 is there was a global shortage of the bulk of these raw materials. So, you know, you either couldn't get your hands on alcohol or you couldn't get your hands on hydrogen peroxide or you couldn't get your hands on the right, uh, you know, sort of chlorhexidine gluconates. Uh, and that's when I started realizing that there are, you know, so many of these companies out there that, as you were saying, they, they literally will, will, they'll have the, the alcohol and then what they'll do is they'll literally just, um, uh, uh, shove, uh, you know, chick, HGH chlorine into it, or, you know, they'll put in, in, in ingredients that are definitely not fit for human consumption. And that's kind of how we, how we started working on this. Let's go back to talking about hand washing as, you know, you come from the food industry. Why has that simply gone out of the window? You know, I know that governments have issued specific protocols for schools, for example. So children are ha have got these um, sanitizer stations all over the place. What actually happens to the skin when you come in contact with something that isn't um, made to a specific standard and what kind of damage is that causing? Well, okay, again, to answer that question, maybe let's take a, another step back again. Um, so, so let's just quickly look at, at, at the factory environment. So, you know, in, in terms of our factory, just as an example, um, you know, we are ISO 9000 accredited, we are ISO 22000 accredited, we are HACCP accredited, we are GMP accredited, and we are also FDA uh, certified. Um, you know, so, so with all of those checks and balances and accreditations uh, comes in, you know, sort of your, your cleaning protocols, your CIP cleaning and process protocols, what type of chemicals you're allowed to use or not allowed to use. So, for an example, in our type of environment, um, I'm only allowed to use highly purified, um, you know, sort of 316L stainless steel equipment. Now, that is a, a form of stainless steel, which means that when you're using it, you're not leaching 
you know, the heavy metal contamination into your product, okay? Um, and your, your mixing vats or your equipment and your piping isn't being eroded or leaching heavy metals into your product because it's actually decaying from the acidity uh, or an interaction with the, the product that's being manufactured in, in, in that material or in that, in that equipment. So, so already you've got to have very specific equipment. Um, then, for example, uh, we are not allowed to use any industrial grade compounds in, in, in our factory. And, and, and what I mean by industrial grade is if you look at the, the differences between a, a jig, you know, sort of a, a kitchen jig uh, component that you would use in your kitchen um, versus a, a chlorine or a chlorhexidine compound that is pharmaceutical grade, the big difference is, is that there's impurities. Um, and those impurities can be either uh, in the form of heavy metals or, or certain, you know, sort of chemical impurities that your industrial grade product has, which your pharmaceutical grade or your food grade products don't have. Now, you know, so again, if, if, you, if you look at, 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 at those impurities, um, so, so typically, I mean, your, the skin is the, the largest organ on the body. Um, so these heavy metals or these toxins actually get absorbed into the skin and into the bloodstream. So if you have, for example, a methanol contamination in your, your alcohol source, so in other words, your, 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 your base alcohol material that you get in from a supplier um, has been contaminated or contains uh, methanol, then that methanol gets absorbed through the skin. It actually uh, interferes with the liver function. It can not just uh, you know, uh, impede liver function and or uh, you know, cause uh, liver damage. It can actually make you blind. Then you, you can now have all of these heavy metals or chemical toxins that absorb through the skin. They can have a, a damage on a cellular level. Again, kidney damage, liver da damage, uh, organ uh, damage. But they will also definitely interfere with the, 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 the skin cells themselves. They will break the skin cells down. They will break the, the, the DNA, the, the proteins down. So, so they will actually dry out your cells. They will damage the cells. Um, so it's very, very important that you, you know, you're aware of what you're putting onto your skin. Um, again, as you said yourself, you, you come out of the, the, this industry for many years. And, and as, as a woman, you would not just go and buy the cheapest night cream or the, you know, sort of a, a dubious source uh, a cream or a hand cream or a night cream that you're going to, you know, be eagerly spread all over your, your hands and face and your body, knowing that they're full of toxins and chemicals and things that will absorb and actually uh, cause damage to your skin. You know, in certain of these cases, some of these heavy metals can actually almost cause premature aging. So it's, so it's almost like you're damaging the skin like it's had too much sun damage and, and you you're actually creating an aged damage effect to your skin just by all of the, the toxins or the heavy metal contaminants that, that could be in the, the sanitizer. So if, I mean, for example, I've got a young child at school, how do I know that what's um, being distributed by the school isn't going to actually cause more, more trouble? And how do we know that what's being used, even in our, our corner shop that we go to, is in fact something that is relatively safe? I mean, I know all chemicals should be used with huge amounts of precaution. I won't, I won't allow sanitizer on my skin, I use gloves. And somebody said to me the other day, do you think gloves are going to protect you from COVID? And I said, no, they're going to protect me from sanitizer because, you know, I, I don't allow chemicals on my skin. Uh, so what can we do as a consumer to, you know, take um, 
you know, the, the shopping mall to task and ask them to prove that this isn't actually going to cause more damage? Do we have some kind of way to do that? Nikki, yes, I think we do. Um, okay, so, so the, the shopping center or the retailer or the school um, that is not going to be applying this onto either your hands or your child's hand, they need to, to have uh, some type of a certificate of analysis um, and a certificate of origin. So, so they need to be able to prove to you where does the sanitizer come from, who made it, what accreditations that factory has got that's made it, um, and what form of laboratory testing and or certification has been applied to that particular product so that you as the consumer are happy that you would use it knowing that it's gone through all of the checks and balances. So, so yes, you as a consumer uh, or, or as a mother have the right to insist on knowing where was it made, who made it, what is the accreditations of that factory, what are the raw materials, and, and you can, in terms of a certificate of analysis, you should even be able to ask, well, can you see a, a certificate showing that the, uh, the raw material used with the alcohol to make, uh, you know, to make the 70% um, has in fact actually uh, you know, got certification that it's a human grade raw material. So I think in terms of our Consumer Protection Act, you as the consumer and or the, 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 the parent of a child, You've got those rights. You can ask and, and, and demand. And if they can't supply those, uh, the, those documents, well, that should be a red flag. Because most of us walk into the shop and we think, well, it's just now. Um, I'll do that later. But the stuff does accumulate. And what that does to the endocrine system and the, the detoxification system down the line is horrific. And a little bit of poison is still poison. It's going to accumulate over time. This is a big problem. And we're going to have to... Um, like you say, under the Consumer Protection Act, we have a right to know what we're spraying on ourselves. And viral oxy, what is that? What, what is in that product that makes it different to uh, your run-of-the-mill um, spray-on sanitizer that we're finding everywhere? Viral oxy has now got US and EU certification um, and testing that it kills the coronavirus. It kills COVID-19 and it kills it on contact. So it's, it's one of those materials or components that you don't need to have it in a, a, a matrix with other ingredients to help break the fat layer down so that you can get to the protein layer so that the, the RNA and the DNA of the virus can be um, disrupted and uh, broken down. Your viral oxy actually does all of that in one. So it actually oxidizes the fat, it breaks down the fat layer, and it then attacks the RNA and DNA layer, and it actually destroys the protein layer and effectively neutralizing the virus. So that is the one thing. So it's non-toxic, non-irritating. You can literally bath in the stuff. You can spray it as liberally as you want to. If you inhale it, you don't have a problem. If you get it in your eyes, it might have a little bit of a sting, but you don't have to rush off and go and seek medical attention. So you know, there's no spill hazard with it. There's no toxic hazard with it. There's no irritating irritation has it uh, with it um, and for us the big thing is is that the the viral oxy on a hard surface application for instance on all of the the, the 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 plastic curtains that we have in our factory between all the different work areas and workstations we can apply that once a week uh, because on a hard surface like that viral oxy remains active and kills COVID-19 on contact for up to 90 days wow no other uh, sanitizer or sterilizer has that same claim. Okay, so if I have a, a store or a school, how do I go about finding where to get hold of this product? Because, um, yeah, I think we all share these concerns, but many people just, they don't even know where to start asking for, for verification. 
Native viral oxy uh, is available from first line defense. Uh, we do sell it in a, um, in a, as a standalone product. Um, look, the good and the bad about viral oxy, and I always play open cards, and, and I want to be, you know, be honest and give you the, you know, the good and the bad. Um, in the powder format, in its, in its raw state, um, it is active for many years. You know, as long as correctly stored, it doesn't degrade. But once activated into a water application, whether it be a 0.5 or a 1% application, um, the, the liquid has to be used within 10 days uh, because it does actually start breaking down and, and, and it will eventually neutralize itself uh, in, in a water phase. So you've got to mix it and use it as quickly as you, as you can within 10 days. And for that specific reason, we actually, depending on, the, on, on, on what the, the, the consumer or the client is looking for, uh, we'll either package it for the customer in a 5-gram sachet, a 10-gram sachet, a 20-gram sachet, or a 100-gram sachet, depending on what type of application the customer wants to do for their mixing bottles, uh, you know, or for their, uh, their sort of reservoirs, if they're going to make a bulk batch at a time. And that, that just means that the, the client can rather do smaller batches more regularly um, and that we guarantee you know sort of efficacy and strength of the of the viral oxy active components uh, versus trying to make big batches and then we run the risk of the the, the product actually deactivating with time look it makes sense you want it to biodegrade that's that's the whole point you don't want it to outlive um humanity which is the problem with most of these chemicals is that they don't biodegrade you know the the, the nice thing about the viral oxy is it's literally if if you know that you've got for example i mean my little applicator bottle that i carry around with me is a is a 500 gram or 500 milliliter bottle um so i i have a little five gram sachets with me so the minute my bottle is empty i take a five gram sachet pour it in fill it up with water 500 ml water shake it and i can and use it immediately um so it's it's actually very very easy to use um so once you know what application spray bottle you're going to be using uh then you literally have the the, the sachet that matches that and you keep your sachets with you uh, or, or, or readily at, at hand um, and as you go through the bottle, you literally put in another sachet and you go. Um, so it's, it's quick and it's easy and it's nice. It's user-friendly. You know, and again, in that way, you're not wasting and spilling product. And you're not, and you're not either over-mixing or under-mixing the product. Because again, you know, for us, it's very, very important that the, 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 that the correct, uh, you know, sort of percentages are, are maintained. Um, because with those correct sort of percentage or inclusion ratios, that goes hand in hand with the EU and the US certifications about its antiviral and anti-COVID activity. Well, Jan, best of luck. I'm hoping that just getting the word out, even through just the podcast, is going to uh, send you many, many inquiries. People need to understand that they must always question the status quo and ask for certification and be yeah, rest assured that you're doing the right thing for yourself and for your family and you're making better choices because otherwise you're going to get sick. And the problem is with contamination, with liver disease, with respiratory issues, there's very little that medicine can do to put you back together other than give you cortisone and just hope for it to pass. But you don't have to suffer in the first place. So I think this is very important to get the message out that all of these products are not created equal, that we're working with in many cases, very dangerous chemicals that are poisonous. If you ingest them, you'll probably die. Uh, you know, if your animals happen to get hold of them, they will get really sick. So it's good that there's an alternative and we must always keep asking the questions. I fully agree. I absolutely agree. Yes, always, always 
always push the envelope and and don't settle for uh, just for, you know for for the status quo. Just always push that envelope. Thanks again for joining me on yet another phenomenal conversation on the Reinvent Health podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and leave a review and let me know what else you would like to hear about in the future.